Hey, hey, ladies, welcome to episode 37. Hey, ladies, how have you been? I hope you're doing good, finding some respite, finding some rest, finding some time to have fun and enjoy the journey. I know that can be challenging for some, but it's totally possible and way more fun. Um, today I want to talk about self pity. Okay. This is a topic that, um, really kind of surfaced for me in the past couple of weeks and has been a game changer, just being aware of self pity and that it's been in my life and where it's come from and how to deal with it has just been awesome. So I felt like I got to share this, like this can change the game, which I've already said several times. So what is self-pity? Self-pity is excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. Okay. This feeling of self-pity typically arises when an individual attributes failures to external factors perceived as uncontrollable. Okay, that second bit, I just wanted to add on to kind of expand a little bit on the idea of self-pity. Because look, when when you look at um, families like, like yours or mine and look at what a disability, the presence of a disability does to your child and to your family and how it all functions, it does seem completely uncontrollable. It's not something that you necessarily invited in or something that you made happen or, um, you know, that it's something you could have prevented. Like there's so many unknowns. And I often know that we try to take ownership of, of that and be like, well, what could I have done to have prevented this from happening to my child? Um, and the truth is, is that we don't know, right? Perhaps there was something you could have done. Perhaps there wasn't. And it's really hard to get down to the nitty gritty and determine whether you could or couldn't have prevented it, right? And in the end, even if you do, the disability is still there and still present, right? So that's just a lose-lose game that I want to offer to you that you don't have to engage in, Okay. That was a little side tangent, but really, really important when it comes to self-pity. And the reason why is because self-pity is taking on this idea that this thing happened to me, I cannot control it, and I am so unhappy or stressed or overwhelmed because of it, and it's changed my life um, in a way that I wasn't expecting and didn't necessarily want initially. And so all of these ideas and and ways of thinking actually are rooted in self-pity, which I didn't think about before because it was like, no, I'm just saying how it is. Like, this is how it is. And in order to dissect this a little further, we do have to dive into the idea that of of what is true, what is factual, and then is it actually useful to think about and dwell on what is or isn't factual? Okay, so for example, your child has a disability. True. 
is it something you could have controlled? Right? We're going to say that it's outside of your control, the presence of this disability. So in that way, when you make comments or have thoughts that are like, wow, my life is so hard, there's nothing I can do about it. When you kind of shift into that, this happened to me mentality, it's not necessarily untrue. So the question isn't, well, it's true, so I can think about it and, and um, you know, shape my life around it. The question I, that, that is more useful to be asking is, does thinking about this fact in this way, does thinking about my child's disability in this way serve me and help me create the life that I want? If the answer to that question is no, then I want to offer to you that even if what you're thinking about is true, that you shouldn't be thinking about it the way you're thinking about it because it doesn't serve you. Okay, so for example, my daughter has a disability. This disability has required a significant amount of my time, research, effort, and this disability has significantly influenced her development, what she can and cannot do, who she can interact with and who she cannot interact with, where she goes to school, what she does with her time in order to accommodate or overcome this disability. For a long, long time, I was in the mentality of, I'm a victim to this. This has changed my life. It's changed it in a negative way. And this is hard. Now, the fact is that her disability is present in our lives. Everything else that I just said is merely a perspective, an excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over my child's disability. Okay, we really, really have to separate those two in order to gain control, because you can. There is a way that you can gain control, step out of victimhood, and step into a place where you feel empowered as a parent, as the caregiver to your child, even with the disability present, even if it doesn't go away. So we also have to kind of dissect this second definition that I gave, which talks about how self-pity typically arises when an individual attributes failures to external factors perceived as uncontrollable, right? And so we kind of dived into a little bit that is it or is it not uncontrollable, your child's disability? From my perspective and from where I sit, the answer is yes, it is outside of my control. I cannot hop into my child's body and fix it. I cannot make it go away. I don't know if my child can or if they will. You know, questions like that. So is, it, is my child's disability outside of my control? Is it outside of yours? And I'd venture to say the answer is yes. Now you have to examine your own situation and decide whether or not that answer is accurate. Okay. And then the next question is, is, do I attribute 
or categorize my child's disability as a failure of some kind, as a problem of some kind? And if the answer is yes, then you want to ask why. Or even, maybe not why, actually, a better question would be, how do I feel when I think, yes, this is a problem? A problem in a way that makes me feel like a victim, right? Or if it's like, if the answer is no, I don't see this as a failure. I don't see this as necessarily a problem that I can't, that's out of my control. Okay, you want to pay attention to how you feel when you answer that because how you feel fuels how you function and how you show up in the world. Okay, I actually want to hop back to the um, feeling that it's uncontrollable. Even if a circumstance is uncontrollable, just like your child's disability, it is influenceable. So in that respect, you actually do have a lot of power, a lot of control to decide how you want to show up. How do you want to problem solve? Is that getting equipment for your child? Is it getting therapy for your child? Is it changing their diet? Is it something that you're doing every day? That is the question that's actually useful to ask. If my child's disability is outside of my control, then what is actually inside of my influence? Because it is noticeable, and we've seen it before, that parents can influence, they do, they influence, you, you influence your child's life. You don't control it, you're not in charge of it, but you do have influence. So what are you going to do with that? And then how does that make you feel, Right? Because how you feel influences how you function and how you show up in the world. So when you think about self-pity, I want you guys to think about this. Because self-pity as an emotion is completely useless and completely indulgent. Take a minute to think about what self-pity has done for you. When you take the time to indulge in self-pity, this is hard. Why did this have to happen to me? I can't do anything about this. How do you feel? It has like absolutely no upside. It doesn't help you show up to be the kind of mom that you want to be. It doesn't help you to be more creative in problem solving and finding solutions that you need for your daily functioning in your life. It doesn't. So then the question is, why waste your time indulging in it at all? Okay, so if you are listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, that's me. Like I indulge in that emotion all the time. I feel like a victim. I feel like I can't do anything about this. I feel like this is happening to me and I'm drowning and I'm overwhelmed and I don't know how to deal with this or this is never going to go away. This is how my life just is and I'm just going to have to get used to it. Okay? If you're feeling that way, trapped, like a victim, I want to offer that those are optional and those are coming from self-pity. Now, I don't know, think about in other situations when you, when someone has pitied you, okay, a family member, a friend, an acquaintance, someone at work, when you know that they're pitying you, I want you to ask, how does that feel? And 
do you ever go, wow, I'm really, I'm really glad that they're like pitying me. Like it feels really validating. Because I think validation of like what you're going through is like, yeah, that's difficult. It's a little bit different than self-pity. Self-pity comes off as, wow, I'm so glad that's not me. Right? I'm so glad that my life is easier. Okay, I know for me that I really, really do not like when someone pities me. So then why does it make sense for you to turn around and pity yourself? Right? Because now you're getting the negative influence of two things, which is receiving the pity from yourself and being the person giving pity. Like neither one of those really feels good at all and doesn't have an upside at all. It doesn't help you feel motivated to to wake up in the morning and go exercise and take care of yourself so you can show up for your child, right? Pity does not fuel those kinds of actions. And it doesn't fuel creativity in solving problems, in figuring out how to help your family work, how to get your child what they need, how to get you what you need. It doesn't fuel any of those actions. So I want to offer to, to drop it. Pity is optional. It's one way of looking at the facts of your life. And it's not serving you. So I want to offer a couple of different ways that you can, well, more like a process, a way that you can help yourself become aware of pity and merge out of it. So the first thing that you want to do is to turn up your awareness and ask yourself these kinds of questions. Like, am I thinking in a victim mindset? Am I pitying myself? Am I layering on extra suffering and making this hard, wishing it would go away, feeling like I can't do anything, feelings of helplessness, right? So you really want to be on to yourself during the day and see how you're thinking about it. And if you have a hard time analyzing your thinking initially, then move to the emotions. During the day, as you go throughout the day, how are you feeling? Are you feeling trapped? Are you feeling um, tied down? Are you feeling um, like you can't do anything? to help your child or you can't do anything to, um, to reach the goals that you want. Okay. If you're feeling these kinds of things, I want you to hone into what are the thoughts that are fueling those feelings. Okay. And those are the seed planters, whatever thoughts you're having. So if you're feeling trapped, you might be thinking I'm trapped, something that straightforward, or you might be thinking like, like, I just, I can't, I can't go out and do anything because my child needs me 24 seven. Okay. That thought, my child needs me 24 seven is feeding into the feeling of trapped. Now your child may need 24 seven hour care. That may be factual. Okay. But your child needing you specifically 24 seven, that might not be factual. You might want to take some time and challenge that thought. Does it have to be me? Is there someone else out there that can help? Okay, get some creativity going and realize that it has to be me. I'm trapped here. No one else can do it. Is coming from that victim story. It's coming from self-pity. Okay, so you want to be on to yourself about that. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go and find someone else to be with your child. That's not what I'm saying. 
What I'm offering is that you can choose to look at it differently and feel differently about it. For example, I want to be with my child 24-7 during this time of their life. That feels more empowering and feels like freedom because you're choosing into it. It's not something you were pushed into and not something you didn't have a choice about. Okay, and I've mentioned this some of my other podcasts, you guys, like, it's morbid to think about it, morbid, it's hard to think about, but there are parents that don't, they choose out for whatever reason, we're not going to judge them for it, but they choose out, they choose not to be with their children and to, to get full-time caregivers um, and other things, but for whatever reason, they made that choice and it is an option. That's what I'm saying. You're not trapped. Like you don't have to be there for your child. You don't have to care for them. You don't have to do any of it. So now the question is, do you want to and why? And I promise if you will challenge those thoughts that fuel feeling trapped and self-pity, that you will find more empowerment and more confidence if you'll take the time to be aware of what you're thinking and then challenge what you're thinking. Okay. Now, once you've done that, um, another thing that you're going to want to do is get familiar with self-pity, meaning that as soon as you figure out, oh, I'm feeling self-pity, go into your body when you're feeling it and ask yourself, what does self-pity look like? You want to give it a bit of its own identity as if it's a friend that comes to visit, right? A frenemy, someone you don't like, but someone that shows up anyway. <laughs> what does what does self-pity look like? Where do you feel it in your body? Does it have a color? Does it have a shape? Does it have a personality of some kind? What kind of thoughts does self-pity offer you? Okay, when you come to understand how you feel certain emotions later down the road, as you've practiced it, and it is a skill, so you do need to practice it later down the road, you will start to feel it. You will start to realize when they come in, right? Self-pity won't be sneaking in the back door anymore and then show up in your kitchen. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, how did you get here? I didn't even notice you were here, right? You will recognize self-pity so well that you'll feel it when it enters the house and you'll be able to go, ah, self-pity just showed up. And then when self-pity tries to offer you thoughts like you're trapped in here, like there's no way out. This is the rest of your life and you will never get to do all those things you wanted to do. You can go ahead and go, hey, self-pity, like I, you're here. I see that. I realize that you are trying to do your job, which is to well, actually, self-pity, I don't think you really have much use here. So you can go ahead and just pass on by or go on out. Okay, this is how you can address address it is by giving it its own identity, recognizing when it comes into your life. Do a little bit of role-playing with it, which might sound a little strange, but it's very effective because your brain doesn't realize that it's just an emotion you're communicating. It doesn't realize that but you are developing new neural pathways as you do these kinds of exercises. And those new neural pathways are the pathways of empowerment and the pathways of confidence and the pathways of freedom and choice and creativity. So that's why it's worth your time to do these kinds of dialogues with 
an emotion like self-pity, why it's worth the time to feel it out in your body and where it is. So once you become familiar with self-pity, familiar with the thoughts that go along with it, familiar with the triggers that trigger it in your life, right? Whether it's, oh, my child isn't taking their treatment and that's a really big trigger for you, right? And you realize, ah, self-pity really likes to come in when this kind of a trigger happens in my life, right? You will be steps ahead of the game. And when you get to that point, and it takes time to do this, so don't expect that you're just going to do it right away, right? It's building a skill like cooking, playing, playing soccer or anything like that, or driving, right? You have to take time to learn how to do it. Once you get that skill set, now you're in a position to let it go. It comes in, hey, pity, I see you, you can go. And then replace it with something, okay? Because nature abhors a vacuum that something needs to be there. And so if self-pity leaves, what are you going to put in that place? Are you going to shift over to confidence? Are you going to shift over to um, empowerment? Are you going to shift over to feeling free, okay? Or creativity or curiosity, which is also a really great emotion to function from, okay? All right, guys, I hope that that was really helpful for you. There's some seriously good nuggets of information in this podcast. Feel free to go back and listen to it. Share it with those people in your life who you know are coming from the same place, but not in a self-pity way, okay, or not in a a pitiful way. You don't want to have pity on them, and so you're going to share this podcast with them, right? Like, we're just going to perpetuate that if that's what we do. So, But if you know there's someone out there that this will benefit, please share it with them. If this is benefiting you, please like and subscribe and follow and let's get this up and running and help those other mamas out there who are in our group so that we can do this together. All right. Thanks for listening in today. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.